Blog Talk Radio. Socioeconomic 
cultural, ethnic, you know, lines here. Because not only minorities or people of color who will be disenfranchised, but there are also, um, you know, economically disadvantaged whites that will be affected by this and impacted by this as well. You know, elderly people of all ethnic backgrounds, this is going to have an even greater impact than people even realize. And within two hours of this ruling coming down from the Supreme Court, Texas decided to enact their voter ID law. So they're positioning themselves. Um, You know, tonight we're going to talk about the Supreme Court rulings, but, you know, they had, um, you know, some issues going on in Texas, and we're not going to address that today. When we do a show talking about abortion and reproductive rights, we'll address that then. But, um, you know, I give Wendy credit for, you know, attempting to filibuster that bill. So it's just, it's it's been an interesting past couple of days, and, you know, we're still a little upset about what happened yesterday. And so I guess we'll start with, you know, the voters' rights um, and that particular issue, um, you know, Shelby County versus Holder. And basically this is about voting rights, and the issue is whether a section of the Voting Rights Act violates the Constitution. So what happened yesterday is basically they struck down Section 4 of the Voters' Rights Act. But what we have to understand is that when they struck Article well, yeah, Article 4 down, it basically neutralizes Article 5. And need for you guys to understand, you know, basically, you know, what that means. Mm. And, you know, the law, you know, this law particularly, it barred, you know, some of the practices of old in which people were, you know, asked questions like how many bubbles were in a bar of soap. Um, it eliminated poll taxes. It eliminated literacy taxes. And what it did was it set up legal and regulatory processes to overturn, you know, those practices. And we just, wow. You know, I'm not sure if people understand the impact and the importance of this. Uh, that's the reason why yesterday I was saying it's time to pull out the marching shoots because I'm not sure what has happened over the past, you know, couple of generations. And, you know, I'm guilty of it as well. You know, I'll raise my hand. I'll be the first one to raise my hand and point the finger at myself. We let some stuff slide. We've allowed a lot of things just make it happen. We were totally oblivious to, you know, a lot of these laws that have been changed, um, You know, we do not live in a post-racial society. I don't care what they tell you. We do not live in a post-racial society. And, you know, um, Judge Ginsburg, Justice Ginsburg, you know, wrote some scathing commentary, and I posted that on my wall, and I would, you know, 
ask you guys to go out and actually read, um, you know, her dissent. And, you know, it's profound. But, you know, one of the saddest things that I'm seeing today is I'm seeing a lot of us versus them. I'm seeing some Christians out there, um, or not just Christians, we're just in religious folk, just in general, um, um, basically saying that the Supreme Court chose them, the LGBTQ community, over us, which is the black community, and that they're not going to, you know, stand up for it and they're going to protest that, I just believe that the priorities are wrong. The priorities it's are wrong. It's more than wrong. Exactly. Okay. It's, it's more than wrong. Hey? No, I would say right. it's way more than wrong. It, it's, it's like this. Plain and simple, you know what, if you're that person out there, and, and let's be real about that, first and foremost, can, can you hear me? I'm sorry if you're breaking up. No, you're good, honey. Go ahead. Uh, if, if, if first and foremost, you know, let me say today is a momentous day for, um, for you know, LGBT, you know, LGBT community. First of all, That's and right. and it's a hard, it's a hard fought victory. We can't take that away from them. And anybody who That's attempts right. to diminish what's been accomplished today is wrong. And congratulate those folks because they went out there and and, and they fought for that right. That's the right, first thing. That's right. The second thing, the second thing, and 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 sometimes you know we're family, so you got to talk tough to family sometimes. And in this case, some of my family have to go out there and read a book. Go get a history book, okay? And 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 go get a go get a, just a regular ethics book and maybe a couple of sociology books too, because you need to understand for those for those um you know, and I'm not going to be mean and hateful and spiteful. It's just how they, it's a misguided belief, but I don't hate those folks. It's a misguided way of thinking, all right? Black and gay are not mutually exclusive. So you've got, you've got a set of folks today that are fighting a battle on two fronts, you know? They may have been awarded a right as a gay person, but now they're looking at a totally new battle as a, as a, as a person of color. So let's first of all, first of all, learn that and and move beyond that. Second of all, read a history book. Learn about who Bayard Rustin is. Learn about who Josephine Baker is, other than just being a dancer and 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 and, and, and a model. Learn about Billie Holiday, mm-hmm. Langston Hughes. You know, what I'm saying James Baldwin. I mean, it, the list goes on and on of African American civil rights activists who also were gay. A lesbian. So that's the first thing. So if you're ignorant enough to make this an us and them fight, at least know where your history was. Were it not for Bayard Rustin, some of the greatest achievements of Dr. King, you know, of the civil rights movement as a whole, but Dr. Martin Luther King in particular, are owed to Bayard Rustin as his personal advisor. There would not have been a march in Washington had he not played an integral and pivotal role in that. So, you know, it's so silly it's so silly, and I feel so hurt sometimes when, you know, uh, uh, certain black people play that game of your suffering ain't like my suffering. It's not exactly. about your suffering. It's, it's about civil rights 
is a is a is a it's a human issue. It's a human rights issue. All right. So if you if, if folks can't get past that, then there's really no helping. There's really I mean it's like go sit in a corner, go get a book, go watch a history show or something until you get your mind right, and then come back to the fight. You know you're not doing yourself any favors by even taking on that fight. You know that that's the problem, and and I I I mean I can't put words on that. I mean really, you're just gonna. I mean, and we all as African Americans know someone who's gay or bisexual. So really, are we really going to get into that? You know what I'm saying? And with and, and put our energy into that. That's so. And and finally, for me, here's the biggest thing. The the biggest thing for me is African Americans. And in my mind, more so than a lot of other um, racial or ethnic groups in this country, we have a unique experience of what it's like to be um, enemy number the other. You know, we are more so than anyone else. We were brought here with the express um, belief and 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 mindset that we were other than human, and everything that we have now came from us fighting that stigma. So if that's the case, it just doesn't feel right for us to be on the other side of that issue, for any of us to be on the other side of that issue, regardless of religion or I listen to a lot of rap music, you know, or whatever. For you to be on the wrong side of the gay rights issue is ridiculous. Matter of fact, for a black person, it sounds like a foreign language to me. If anything, we should be at the forefront of every of every human rights struggle. We should be at the forefront out of it. And and it just it's disappointing to me when I see that and when I hear it, you know, we should be at the front of it. We shouldn't be teaming up with the hateful, racist or misogynist people of this world because of what we may have it wrongly interpreted in a Bible verse. You know? Exactly. So it's like exactly. I mean, you, it, it's ridiculous to me. Yeah, it is. And if they go back and do some, you know, research, they'll see that Martin Luther King, Coretta, and um, a lot of, you know, the civil rights vanguard, you know, they were for gay rights. You know, Bayard Rustin mm-hmm. was a gay black man. And the only reason why he was not at the forefront in particular of the civil rights movement was because he was a gay black man. And he was also a non-believer for those of you out there. And he was, right. you know, a gay black man, which is why they had to kind of push him to the wayside. But he was the strategist behind the mm-hmm. civil rights movement. You know, him and A. Philip Randolph, another black non-believer. So, you know, I just want people to go out and learn their history and, and, and what's been happening here. And there are quite a few people in the black community that are members of the LGBTQ community. And we have to break these stigmas. We are going mm-hmm. to have to transcend beyond the religion so that people can live their lives and they can come out and have their families and adopt children and, you know, get married and, you know, if that's what they choose to do, and have a life beyond that. And, you know, I just see the divide, 
you know, people trying to divide the different communities. Our call-in number is 310-982-4273. And, again, it's 310-982-4273. I'm going to open up the lines. We have a call from 678 on the line. Okay, um, this is Curtis. Is it Curtis? No, I'm not Curtis. Um, thank you for having me on your show. Um, I'm into knowledge in the chat room. Excellent. Okay. And I appreciate the fact that you guys are talking about things that are very poignant um, regarding the black community. And I want to make it short because I know you have callers and, you know, we have to exchange ideas. I think that one of the things that the black community misunderstands is system. System system comes from the Latin word, which means sewer, which means that you just throw everything in there, and however it washes out, that's what we have to deal with. Now, the reason why I preface my comment with that is that when we're looking at all the things that are happening right now, and if you guys will entertain me just for a second, you'll notice that there is more things that are coming from the Supreme Court that have ever happened in the history of this country. We're getting Supreme Court decisions every day, whether it be you can be gay and get married, whether it be the Voting Rights Act, whether it be DOMA, they're, they're just inundating us with all this stuff. And what we need to do as a black community is we need to fall back. We need to understand how this system works. And I'm, I'm a firm believer. I don't, I don't think about how I want it to be or how I think it should be. I think about the way it is. And that's what we have to deal with. So when we talk about, you know, in the black community, we talk about family, we talk about religion, we talk about all these intrinsic values that are fundamental to our existence. But at the same time that we're talking about them, we don't even see how they're being eroded. They're getting rid of it all. They are tearing down. They've been tearing down the family for over 50 years. This is not new. This is not new. Now, does it affect the black family more than it does other families? Because white folks are a part of this too. And yes, it does. 70% of black children are growing up in a single family home. 70% of black women who are marriage eligible are single. Those are alarming numbers. Well, and I understand, and those are alarming numbers, and it's alarming situations. However, we have have to also understand not everybody wants to be married. And some of those women, you know, some of those 70%, some of them happen to be members of the LGBTQ community. So that opens up some opportunities there, but the reason why I feel that this, you know, has 
an even bigger impact on our on the black community is because you know we again when you're dealing with privilege you know and people that have privilege extended to them they don't have to deal with some of the issues we do you know like employment issues and access to education and access right. to health care and the number of other issues which is why you know I started out you know talking about you know the voting rights act and the impact that it's having on our community and where we've kind of lost touch, you know, we're not out there protesting and marching like we should. I've brought up the um, Moral Mondays the past several weeks, and I'm bringing it up again because now we have yeah. Moral Mondays. We have, we have to take it even beyond that, especially with this ruling here, because now it's been kicked back to Congress, the same Congress that will not pass or make any laws because they are, you know, basically stonewalling President Obama. So they sit exactly. back to Congress knowing that nothing is going to be done. So I agree with you about dealing with the reality and what's on our plate. And that's the reason why, you know, I'm trying to, you know, kind of confront this us versus them because it's a distraction. Let me give you the other side of this. The reason sure. why that we are having to deal with, and, and this is just a chronology, um, I'm a child of the 60s, okay? I was born in 1960. So I was in that whole era of Malcolm X, Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali, Black Panther Party, Angela Davis, Bobby Seale, all that. I got to see that as a child, not, not as a grown-up person. I got to see right. that as a child. So when it transformed itself, and here's the thing that I always try to get people, not just black people, but just people to understand, was that America was going through a renaissance period. Things were right. changing, and they were changing on a, man, it was like a tsunami that was coming through the neighborhood or through wherever you live. And then all of a sudden, guess what they did? And this is something you don't see in the public arena today. They killed a president on live television. They killed right. his brother on live television. They killed Malcolm X giving a speech. They killed Martin Luther King, and what they did was they steered us in a whole other direction because they what, what they did was they let people know, and, and I'm talking about they in the sense that the powers that be, okay, right. you can protest, but guess what we're going to do? And, and that steered us in a whole other direction because now we're scared, we're scared to protest now. Yeah, exactly. It is still fear in people, which is why, you know, when I hear people exactly. saying, where are our exactly. black leaders, people are scared to be leaders. Because look exactly. what has happened in the past to the people who have spoken exactly. up and have put themselves out on the limb. I'm right there with you. Yep. This is true, yep. but we're going to have to get over that. You know, one thing I yeah. will say, um, you know, um, one of my colleagues, um, Emily, um, of the M and Evil show, Emily made a comment the other day, um, and it was very poignant, and she basically said a real woman 
is a living martyr. So, I mean, that can be applicable to men as well. So, you know, you know, wow. a real, and it was very poignant. And That's when I so heard wild. that, just floored me. But it's true, very much so. So we have to get beyond that fear. We have to. But we're not. But, but here's my thing to you, sister. We're not willing to die now because now, and, and I'm talking about when I say now, I'm talking about the black community. Now mm-hmm. there's so many. There's so many of us who have money. We have privilege. We have advantage. That's right. We we reap the benefits of the struggle. So we're not concerned with the masses. We're only concerned with the bling, what we can get, what I can get. And go ahead, chime in. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I just want to listen right now. I want to get some education. Oh, yeah, let's go anywhere. Just let Carl have his say. Go ahead, No, Carl. I'm still here. I'm still here. I just want to get some education. Oh, no, finish your point. I don't want to interrupt you. You were going on, brother. Oh, my, my point is is that we've gotten to a point as a black community that we're accepting of everything that gets shoved down our throat. We accept That's right. it. And, and, and I'm not saying all of us do it, okay? There are plenty of us who are out there doing our due diligence, and we're fighting in the community, and we're doing everything that needs to be done. And I'm about to throw a red herring up, and I don't mean to do that. Um, I don't like people like Jesse Jackson. I don't like people like Al Sharpton. I don't like those particular black individuals, Clarence Thomas, Anita Hill, even though they're linked, I don't like any of them because what they do is they foster the belief that we're inferior and we have to do something extra to prove ourselves, and I don't think that's the case. Now, I'd like to hear you guys' comments on that. If I could, what I would say in regards to that, and I don't disagree that there has been a, a level of stagnation or or a level of uh, just a lackadaisical attitude towards social and civil activism or responsibility in the black community. I don't think that that's – I'm not going to disagree with anybody that says that. There is a level of that. What I will say is this. Um, I don't – we, we have to get past that in a way of accepting the call. Um, mm-hmm. This is what, and 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 I'm not, and I'm going to tell any person that's listening right now, brother, sister, whoever you are who's listening to this right now, don't go looking for a black leader. You be that leader. That's um, right. There you you are. be the leader. That's it. You that's be it. that leader. That's all it takes. That's if you it. think that there's an issue, if you think that there is something that we as a community need to focus on, you take up that flag and you carry it. That's and right. Trust exactly. me, people will follow you. And and you got to understand. It, the, the civil rights movement has and always will be larger than the people who were the who were the who were the the the, 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 the armor bearers for it. Yes, we have Martin, we have Malcolm, we have Medgar Evers, we have all of these luminaries of the civil rights movement in in different things. But you know what? They were just part of a larger thing. Remember, there was right. no march in Washington. These, these people 
were helped by enormous underground support, groundswell support. So it's more than, it's the people, you know, granted, Martin Luther King was the face of Selma, and he was the face of the bus boycotts, and he was the face of those things. That's true, but guess what? The heroes of that were the guys who went, hey, man, you need to drop the work? I'm going to drop you to work. We're going to do a carpool to your job. That was a That's hero. Right. He may not, he or she may not be celebrated by history, but that's the person who made the difference. It's not that Martin Luther King was in front of everybody at the March of Washington. It was the people who showed up and showed the world that we hear and know further. This is where we take the stand for our solidarity. This is where we take the stand for our freedom to be respected. It's the same thing. It's not Barack Obama. And I don't, I'm not speaking about him politically or cheering on him on or anything I like that. I don't like Barack Obama. Let I don't finish. like nothing about it. What I was saying, what I'm saying is this. Let me, let me say this. It's not about, it's not, and I, it's not him that I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that he said. It's not about me. It's about you. The reason that he was there, regardless of if you think he should have been there or not, or if you think he should be president or not, the reason he is there is because somebody, on the ground, nameless. We don't know that person. We don't know those people. They got out and they got active. We don't right. need a designated leader. We don't need let me, a let me, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, brother. Let me ask you this. Go ahead. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Because I agree, I agree with everything that you're saying. I'm not in mm-hmm. disagreement at all. My, uh-huh. my thing is with and the reason why we're having this conversation is because we want to do something different. Exactly. Now, with that being with, with, with that being said, mm-hmm. how can we fight this machine that is so much bigger than us and well, how overcome did, how this? Did, how, how did those folks? And 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 I'm not I'm not saying it to be facetious, but how did those folks? Fifty years ago, do it. I mean, I'm talking in 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 these folks that again, they weren't as educated as we are. There was no Twitter back in 1941. Exactly. There was but no they were Facebook. smarter. They were smarter than us. They were smarter than us. No, but they were smarter than us. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. No, yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. No, 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 no. Don't don't put nostalgia on the civil rights movement. It doesn't need it. They are more passive, but they weren't smarter. Guess what? Right. We have an outlet. You're on one of our outlets now. You're on one of our outlets now. We've got Twitter. and I'm doing got, the, and I'm doing the work. I'm doing the work. No, no, and let me let me let me let me finish. Look at Iran, okay. a country that is way more, you know, way more. Uh, I I can't even pick the word of evil it's of how the people are being subjugated. What yeah, country are you did. talking about? What Look, country are you talking Iran. about? Iran. Look at Iran. Oh, the Arab oh yeah, yeah, I know that. Look at look, look at Egypt. Look at these these countries. China. All it yeah. takes, all yeah. it takes, is a person. We've got so many different methods now of getting exactly. the word out there. It's just that we have to take that responsibility. It starts here with us. You have the national urban. I mean, I understand not liking certain individuals that may be part of these organizations, but they are useful. And the first thing, hey, become aware of who your representative in Congress is. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And your local politicians, that's one of the things that I've been stressing quite a bit, you know, for not only just the past couple of weeks, but over the past past couple of years that we've been on the air. Understand and mm-hmm. know who your local politicians are. All politics that's are right. local. That's right. You need to understand that's what's right. impacting you directly. That's, and that's, that's, that's where the power is. In the local community. All politics is local. All politics is local. And we we are here. But let me ask you guys guys this question. How did we get so caught up in the fact that we had a black face that was all of a sudden going to be president? And really, the reason why I'm asking this question is because majority of the people don't understand politics. So they thought that this was really important, but they didn't understand that your vote counts on the local and state level, not the federal. Let's put it like this. It's like this. All politics is local. We are here right now, and everyone needs to get this. We are here in this situation. We are facing this fight right now because Four years ago, folks who washed their hands, said, well, we got a black president, washed their hands, and went back to doing what they're doing. All politics <laughs> exactly. local. That's what it is. And that's All the reason, like when, when, that's the the reason. when the 2010 election came around, nobody did oh, anything. Wow. People didn't show yeah. up. That's what uh, we're here now. You got to understand. That's why 2014 is so important that we get out here if we're talking about federal Absolutely. politics. 2014, it's Absolutely. very important that we get out here and we vote. You know, it, it goes beyond the presidential election. We have to vote those senators, those representatives in. But in addition to that, going back to the local, you know, we also vote judges in locally. And a lot of those judges are, some of them are appointed to the federal bench. Um, some of them are elected to the bench. But a lot of the Supreme Court justices are chosen from that pool of people. So it's important that we understand their politics and what they voted on and what they believe in. But in addition to that, again, I'm I'm calling for people to start protesting in March. And you know what? I, I, I agree. I agree with I agree with so much of what you guys are saying, and the fact that you guys are saying what you're saying is it, it just makes me more disenchanted. Because um, just to give you a brief history, um, you know, and this is the same old story. You've heard it all. Um, I'm a brother from the ghetto. But I will say this. I had the benefit of a great education. I will never deny that. I had the benefit of a great education. I went to one of the most prestigious colleges in the country and at 52 years old I'm looking at this whole program that's going on now and I just can't it's just it's confusing me not in the sense that I don't understand it it's confusing me in the sense that I don't understand what people are thinking and it just kills me because Everything that you guys are talking about is spot on. It is just, it's exactly what it is. And I want to know why your voices are not being heard 
on the public airwaves so that we can just somehow reel this whole thing back in and be like, okay, black people, here's what we need to do. Not just black people, but just, you know, people in general. Because white people, they don't, they ain't even figured it out yet. White people getting sucked into this whole thing, too. Exactly. And they're mad. But they don't want but they don't want our voices heard because, again, as long as they have people basically, as you stated earlier, you know, infatuated and focused on the bling, focused on capitalism, focused on their entitlement, you know, and their privilege, then they're not focusing on the real issues. But, see, this is where some of the, you know, other generations preceding us, where they failed, Whereas they told us about some of these stories, but they did not necessarily educate us. And so we failed. You know, we failed. But the thing is, is that Mm. now we have the information, now we have the knowledge, now we have the means in which to get to disseminate the information. We have this podcast, we have Twitter, we have Tumblr. Many of us have our own organizations or we're involved with other organizations. And it's time to start organizing. Pardon me? No, it's what you're, what you're saying. I'm agreeing yeah. with what you're saying. Yeah. We have oh, yeah, we yeah. have no excuses now. Yeah, no excuses no. whatsoever. And, but the thing is, is that you know, and again, this is why I've been pointing the finger at the free thought community over the past couple of years because I knew it was going to get to this place. Not necessarily with these particular issues, but we were going to come to you know a little paradigm shift. And with we, you know, um, non-believers of color, if you will, or, you know, free thinkers of color, where as it's, it's, it's time for us to start taking more of a leadership role. And with the way things have happened and transpired over the past few days in particular, but really the past decade or so, it's time for us to get out there, become more visible in the community, and because we have not necessarily positioned ourselves and we're, we are not as ensconced as we possibly should be, you know, we're going to have to join up with other organizations, which is why, you know, we're bringing up the, you know, NAACP today. And I'll be bringing up mm-hmm. Operation Pearl, uh, even though those are religious institutions. That's and they have a religious crappy background. organization. Yeah, but the no, thing is, is no, that no, they're don't say that, brother, don't say that. But they're out here, and they're marching, and they're bringing – now, we understand that there are some issues there, but the thing is is that they're out here, they're marching, they're organizing people, they're registering people to vote. This is what we need to be doing as a community in the free thought community. What is our excuse? You know, we're too busy infighting. There's too much infighting, and that's the reason why there are a few of us that are just, you know, we've decided that we're going to move forward with some of the programs that we're trying to implement, whether we have, you know, support from the larger organizations or not. But, you know, again, with what has transpired just this week alone, Uh this right here should give the progressive, liberal, white community you know, basically, mm-hmm. it should give them the incentive to join up with communities yeah. of color and to work with us to further, you know, equality for all, 
period. Let me share something with you, sister. Sure. When, when, and, and I agree with everything that you're talking about. I'm not in disagreement. But when they start pushing this legislation for immigration and all of that, what it does mm-hmm. is it creates a divide. Because the same people that you're talking about, that I'm talking about, and the rest of your panel is talking about, the the and and here's the funny thing about immigration that kills me. Every white person in this country is a descendant of a European immigrant. Every white person, let me repeat it, every white person in this country is a descendant of a European immigrant. Why are we arguing mm-hmm. about immigration? Right. Right. Exactly. When the people when the people that are actually indigenous to this country and I had to learn I got a history lesson. Niagara Falls. You know why they call it Niagara Falls? Because it was an Indian tribe that was in Manhattan and they were dark skinned and what they did was the Indian tribe used to go to the um, Niagara Falls and perform a ceremony. And then white folks came and cut their heads off. And that's why they called it Niagara Falls. That's what I learned. I mean, go do the research. I don't what, I, what I would... Uh, I'll have, uh, what, I'll, what I'll say on this is this. Um, in, in regards to immigration, first of all, it's it, it's it's fueled. The fight for immigration is fueled mostly by ignorance, um, which is why I'm automatically on on. Uh, which is why I, that's the first thing. It's just ignorance. It's somebody mm-hmm. who's just racist to any 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 brown person or any person of color coming across our borders. And if anyone were to think for about five seconds, if immigrant, first of all, immigration is lower than it has ever been in this country's exactly. history. Exactly. They're not coming exactly. here anymore. Not not in the way that immigrants aren't coming to this country in the way that they used to. It's almost no, then then this president, President Obama has deported more people than his predecessors ever have. That's the other thing. And then the third thing is the the undocumented, because I don't like saying illegal immigrants. There's no such thing as a, in, an illegal person. Undocumented, undocumented The the undocumented immigrants of this country are bringing in about. If you do, if they were successful in 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 blocking those folks or deporting them or whatever crazy nonsense that you hear mostly from the right these days, we're giving up about fifteen billion dollars untaxed revenue coming into this country. So it's not going to happen. It's really you're just hearing instead of, and, and there's sensible ways of going about it. My parents are immigrants. My parents are from South America. So I had to go through with them the long and arduous process of them becoming American citizens. It's not fun. It's not as easy as waking up warm. Like they say these things, you got to stand on lines. 
you got to take a lot of time out of your day just to try and do all the paperwork and all the running right. back and forth that it takes to get your citizenship. It's not easy. Right. And then when you're, put it like this, you just came across the water, you just flew in on a plane, you just came across the bridge, whatever have you, to come to this country, you got to go through hell and high water just to get them to make you a resident first. Not even a citizen. Exactly. Just to get your resident resident immigrant status, you got to go through a lot. My mother and father went through a great deal, and they love this country. My father, is he bleeds red, white, and blue, but they don't make it easy. If you want to kiss you, if you want to stop yeah. illegal immigration, make the, the, the transition from immigrant to citizen easier. It's not that. It's, I've not met that community yet. Believe me, my parents are Guyanese, and I've grown up around Trinidadians, Haitians, Jamaicans, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans. I have Cubans. I live in Miami. So that's it right there. So there I have go. not bumped into anyone in those. You can't throw a brick and not hit somebody who's not working in any of those communities. You can't. And I'm going to say that. I don't care what statistic you throw out there. There's somebody working some kind of hustle, and they want to be here. And if you want to sit down and hear what um, – sometimes you've got to hear what America is and the true ideal of what America can be, you got to hear from somebody who ain't grew up here. Exactly. The, the truth is, you know what I'm saying? So it, it, that big push, anti-immigration, is coming from a, a lot of folks who have this weird vision of, America, of an America that never existed. This country is here. I'm talking from, I'm talking from Chinese labor, Irish labor, Black labor, um, uh, you know, Mexican labor, Native American labor. This country wouldn't be what it is unless, unless it was from the folks who we are now trying to push off of our shores. Wouldn't be here. Okay. So I don't even. No, go ahead. Finish. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm done. You're good. Okay. No, and I was just going to say all of this plays into the xenophobia, and we see it time and time again. You know, you have different factions in this country that are afraid of anybody that's different, anybody who wants to deviate from the status quo, if you will. But, again, you know, I am imploring everyone to go out there, get registered to vote, register other people to vote, um, we have to get out here. Um, I'm going to post the link a little bit later that um, helps you to sign a petition to tell your representatives that they must act now to provoke to take um, voting rights. And mm-hmm. it's important because communities of color, um, young people, women, elderly, and the disabled voters, they are all at risk. And they need to take immediate action to protect our voting rights. And, you know, and, again, this crosses all socioeconomic and, you know, um, ethnic lines. And we have to take that into consideration. But, you know, again, in many cases we're going to have to work with some of these religious organizations and institutions because we have not put in place our own safety net in the free thought community. And there's nothing wrong with working with the religious community, but I'm saying we're going to have to get out here and it's time to start acting and it's time to start acting now. So, you know, we're going to post that information, and it's important for people to understand what's happening with that. Um, you know, I'm going to segue into the affirmative action um, decision. Oh. For those of you, 
Yeah, you know, and, you know, look the information up about Shelby County versus Holden. That's the voting rights. And, of course, we know Clarence Thomas and Alito and Kennedy and Scalia and Roberts. Oh, they were the ones. don't get me started. Yeah. Don't get me started. Yeah, so, yeah, guys, I just want you all to go out, go out and do some research on that and, you know, understand what's happening. But with that affirmative action case, basically that was Fisher versus the University of Texas at Austin. And basically what happened, you know, young Miss Fisher felt as though she was denied admission to the University of Texas in Austin because of affirmative action. And so she's claiming reverse discrimination in this case. And what the Supreme Court did was they basically punted it back to the state Supreme Court and basically told them that they need to take that law and basically be harder on the University of Texas, which means um, special admissions or affirmative action, you know, admissions or what have you, that's pretty much going to be struck. And yeah. the thing let is, me, is let, you know, let me, let me ask you something. The young lady didn't have the grades to get into that university anyway, but go ahead. Let me ask you something, my sister, and you, and you brought up a very good point, and it's very poignant. Um, in regards to um, Supreme Court cases that are coming down right now. And I find it really ironic that um, for the first time in history, we're getting hit with multiple Supreme Court cases in terms of how they're adjudicating the justice process and what they're telling us what is and what isn't. Now we got hit with the gay marriage we got hit with the affirmative action. We got hit with the um, uh, what is it? The um, the the one thing that my sister was just talking about. First of all, and I'm sorry, I'm my, my brain is scrambled right now. But they hit us with a three prong attack. We had to deal with the gay rights because now they just adjudicated that hey, if Gay marriage is marriage, however you define it. It doesn't matter. That was a Supreme Court decision. And then they did the Supreme Court decision based on um what were you just talking about, my sister? Oh, I was talking about Fisher versus the University of Texas at Austin. Right. And the right. action case and about the young lady who felt that she was a victim of reverse discrimination due to affirmative right. action when in reality she really just didn't have the grades, you know, she just you know, the standards of excellence. She fell below. Right. Sorry. Right. So so now we got the affirmative action on education and then we had another affirmative action case which I can't remember at this time. However, the reason why I brought that up is is that with all this adjudication that is coming down the channel, and basically what they're doing is that they're flooding us with it. So it's like you you can't get them all at one time. You, you, you're only going to be able to deal with one or the other. And I remember when I was at UC Berkeley, and um, I had a student who said that because I was a I, I was a math major with an application in physics, a black man, 
And they said that, well, the only reason why you're here is because they let you in. Now, right. But yeah. wait, what this person didn't understand was I was an academic all apparent, uh, academic all American. I had a 3.7 GPA in engineering and math and science. However, his conception of me was an right. individual who was just being given a pass. Exactly. So, exactly. so I had to, I had to come at him like, okay, I feel what you're saying, but you know, I challenged him. Now, I challenged him intellectually. The point right. in me bringing that up is, is that where, where do we get to the point? as a black community where we're able to actually fight this stuff. Because when I went through what I went through at UC Berkeley, I fought that on my own. No, I I didn't have no protection. I didn't, there was nobody backing me up. And, you know, he called me out in class. So I had to do what I did. And I did it. But where do we get to a point, and I'm addressing this specifically to you, my sister, and I know my brothers are on here, when we get to a point where we have that intellectual pursuit and we're on point with what we're doing, how do we defend ourselves with that? Well, that's the purpose of the different types of shows that we do on the show and the information that we disseminate, the links and, you know, the educational materials that we post. We want people to read this. We want them to familiarize themselves with that. Um, In the instances in which you spoke, the majority of us have been in that situation, whether it was an academic setting or a corporate professional setting, you know, employment setting, in which you'll have people in any of those environments, you know, alleging or saying under their breath, well, these people were only hired or admitted because because of affirmative action. So we walk in the door somewhat to a disadvantage because there are some people who will feel that we are unqualified or unqualified from the gate. And when they, in, in many cases, when they find out that we are just as qualified, if not more qualified than them, because, again, in most cases, we have to work five times as hard to get half as far. And we don't get the credit. Yeah. And we don't get accolades. And we don't get the recognition. And guess what? We're the first ones on the list when it's time to rest, right? But mm. it's, it's one of the ways in which we can kind of overcome some of those is to educate ourselves. And to be able to articulate it well, if you will, and stand on those arguments and be able to defend it, you know, just like you have to, you know, defend your thesis or your dissertation, we have to be able to defend an argument basically in the same capacity, if you will. So I think it's our job. The older people, you know, those of us in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, it's our job to teach these younger folks. I really do believe that, and that's why I do believe mm-hmm. in mentorship programs. I do believe in educating people, but they have to want to be educated. But then in the meantime, we have to continue to educate us. You never stop learning. You never stop learning. And, you know, I was just listening to your story. I went to um, the number two engineering school in the nation, and 
um, you know, some of the things that I heard, you know, some of the, you know, the insults. And it's, it's just unreal. So, you know, a lot of people don't realize when we do go into, you know, these institutions, whether it's employment or academic or what have you, you know, we walk in the door fighting. We walk in the door fighting, mm-hmm. and we continue to fight. And the odds are stacked up against us in many cases, but yet we continue on, which is why I feel that it's important that we get out here and we continue to talk. It's time for us to start marching. So not only, you know, talking the talk, it's time to walk the walk. We don't have a choice. We were just backed into a corner. We were right. just backed into a corner, so it's either fight or run. So what are you going to do? Right. I ain't going to run. Case, and, and, you know, when it, when it, with this whole issue of affirmative action, this is not new. And I, I, I want to that, – that's something that we have to stress. Um, it's not new. Uh, University of Texas, any of these affirmative action cases that you see going to the I, – I, I think it was a couple of years ago. I think it was Massachusetts, but I, I could be wrong. But I think it was a few years ago with the firefighters and the black firefighters and the guy saying that it was racism that they got there and they – something about their test not being good as his test scores. Uh, this is old stuff, man. This goes back to the days of Reconstruction. This is states' right. What 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 the Supreme Court is doing basically is that old tactic of falling back on states' rights. You heard that mm-hmm. a lot. Even Ronald Reagan used that. It's states' rights. Yeah. Well, it's the states' rights. We, we don't want they, government intrusion and things like that. To, to put, that's how Jim Crow came around. That's how segregation came around. This is not new. It's, a, it's another litmus test, unfair litmus test. Now, affirmative action laws are there because we know that they, these states, these places were discriminating. There was discrimination against uh, people of color in the workplace. There's discrimination against people of color in education. There's discrimination in the military, so whatever have you. Um, it's not new. It's, it's been given a new name. They put a little polish on the hood. But it's right. the same old song. In this case, exactly. when it comes to uh, and and it, and it's going back because that's all the Supreme Court did. That's all these justices, those five justices, did in the Supreme Court uh, yesterday. All they did was they said states' rights and they kicked it down. They kicked the can down the road because they know right. that these states. I mean, they they don't have to take a stand. All they have to do is say, well, it's the responsibility of the states, and they kicked it back to a Congress where they know Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Texas, Florida, uh, the Carolinas, Mississippi, all of these southern, uh, Ohio, and not so much southern states anymore, uh, the Ohio and Pennsylvania, New Jersey. California. 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 They, all of these states had those tactics where they were going to use something to hinder the progress, mm-hmm. be it politically, educationally, financially, whatever have you, of people of color. Not just us now. You know, you have Latino, immigrant, whatever. Point. So it's not new. And the solution Great to point. that, the solution to that is the same as it was before. We get up, get out, and do something politically. Exactly. Now, exactly. your money talks, your book, and you want to know something, too? If they say, and it's like this, if I'm not, because I, I, I didn't attend one. I only went to one for one semester. But here, that's that's why we have HBCUs now. 
That's why. That's right. Because they wouldn't let us into their schools. You exactly. That's why we had black radio. That's why we have these things. Again, it's all about your actions. We can't wait for something to happen. I'm going to stand exactly. up for the answer from that because maybe maybe my daughters want to go to the University of Texas. Maybe my son wants to go to Princeton or Harvard. I have to look. I mean, I'm doing something now. That means I'm going to hold my um, congressperson accountable. And That's right. we have to start talking with our vote. Start talking with your sure. vote. Make sure that you're, you, you so, said, so, so let me let, me let me ask you this, brother. Let me ask you this because mm-hmm. I agree with everything mm-hmm. you're saying. Let me ask you this: um, mm-hmm. as a black community, how come yeah. we are not understanding what you're talking about? Because what you're saying it's, makes it's not, perfect it's not sense that, to me. Let me finish. What you're saying makes uh, perfect sense to me. And to a reasonable mm-hmm. individual. That's what you should be doing. How come I, we're not doing it? I, I don't want to get into the, the habit of, of knocking my community too hard. Yes, we do need a rap on the head to get ourselves back on track and get started. That's one thing. But everybody who took part in what we call the civil rights movement, not all of them was a Rhodes Scholar, man. Not everybody was W.B. Dubois. Let's be real. Right. Everybody... Everybody with golds in their mouth and dreads in their hair aren't against the cause. Let's put it, let's be clear about that. There are folks out there, sometimes they just need to know where to go to get started. Exactly. And, and Kenneth said it several times during this call. We have to now, I mean, we should have already been on the Ask Free Thinkers. We should have said, listen, if you don't know where that is, I'm standing right here, brothers. We're going to get 100 names a day uh, registered to vote, whatever have you. And also too, we gotta we gotta understand this is an institutional thing. Yes. Our community, exactly. yes. our, 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 our that's community, what I wanted to hear. That's what that, I wanted that, to now, hear. Now, and uh, let me let me finish with the analogy. The the we have to understand. We gotta look at our community like a, an abuse victim, man. A lot of times, well, yeah. if he was beating you so bad, when you when you hear about a person being abused. And the first thing that pops into our mind, well, why didn't you leave? Well, why didn't you leave? And, 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 and we sit there, we say to ourselves, we, they didn't leave because they didn't know who, where to go. Or they were downtrodden so long, I didn't think anybody else would want me. I didn't even want myself. I didn't know who to turn to or who right. to this community, oh, you have to understand systematically, and I'm not, I'm not even going to go back 300 and 400 years into the days of slavery or anything. I'm just Don't talking about to. the last, Don't have the to. last. Week. Exactly. My, my, my brother, you're older. You are older than the Voting Rights Act. Yeah. So there was a time in your life you were five years old, and the world had not changed. Black people couldn't get married to a white person. These things, these things were, uh, were things that were happening. My sister. Is older than the, you know what I'm saying? My sister's older than, and then, then, you know, my father was born and the army wasn't segregated yet; it was still segregated. So it's y'all, like y'all lost the chain, and and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gonna say this, and I just wanna throw this in. Now let me not not to interrupt you, my brother. Go ahead, go ahead. I'll say this: the history, the 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 progression that we made. Denzel Washington is older than a lot of the progressions that we've made 
in the civil rights in recent years. So we got to understand, there are folks that are still coming into this. There are folks that are still coming into this. Yes, it, great and momentous things are happening. But you got to remember now, when we start saying the community, we fell off and everything like that, think about it. It wasn't really that long. So there are folks that are still coming out of that shell. And we, as the folks who, who have a little bit of knowledge, we have to share it. That's how we get exactly. this done. Exactly. Okay. And um, what I will compel everybody to do, I will compel you guys to go and look up Reconstruction, look up Jim Crow, and I also want you all to go and look up um, institutionalized racism and public policy. In addition to that, I want you to look up When Affirmative Action Was White. I just got this book um, about a month ago. have not had the opportunity to read it, but it's called When Affirmative Action Was White, and it was written by Ira Katz Nelson, because whether you all know this or not, affirmative action actually benefits white women more than it does minorities. So you need to keep Thank all you. of that in mind. It's going to have an even bigger impact than people even realize. We have a caller on the line. Let's bring on Eric Cole 417. May we ask who's calling here? This is Rihanna. You remember me from the God Discussion Show? Yeah, I think I you were. Rihanna. Hi. I want to say something, and it has disturbed me for, oh, my oldest son's 24, 24 years. I have seen mm-hmm. this for 24 years. White children would tell my child, my sons, oh, you're black. You go play with the black kids. And the black kids would be saying, no, no, you're white. And some of the black kids now, and I was they're 20 year olds as in kids because I'm Almost well. I'm 47. 20 year olds. I noticed a 20 year old black male tell my son, you know, their peers. He's like, no, you're white. This is my 24 year old one. He said, you're white. You act white. You know. I'm like, I wanted to turn to that young man and say, excuse me. He's a human being. I wanted to tell people all these years, my children are human beings, and I look at my sons. I don't look them as being black or white. I see my children. And it really it's painful to see this shove back and forth because we're all human beings. And when we push each other back and forth, we 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 put a wall between us. Instead of treating each other like humans and helping each other like human beings because we all face the same struggle. I'm a woman. And just yesterday a woman in Texas stood up for all women, whether we That's agree right. with abortion or not. The point was women's rights, women's health care rights, what they choose or do not choose to do with their body. And, you know, as human beings, when we see, even when we see young people being pushed around, you know, from one side to the other, you know, and it's like I'm part Native American too, but I'm not included in Native Americans because I look white. I am like one eighth Native American now, and so I don't look Native American. So, you know, I've lost a lot of my history, and it's painful to lose that history. And my older son, who is light complected, while my younger son is dark complected, you know, my younger son gets. He hangs out more with black people than he does white people now he's an adult. But my older son hangs out more with white people than he does black people. Not because, you know, 
it's it's like much of a choice because he hears things from like 20 year old people who are black oh you're too white you're not black enough and it puts a wall and so he's losing well he lost some history when his father was not in the picture very much but his father turned to me one day and he said the one thing because his father was doing drugs he says one thing I can thank you for is you always treated me like a human being and I thank you for that and it brought tears to my eyes you know, this Chinese person walks up to me and he tells me he's yellow. And I'm like, yellow? I didn't get it. And he says, yeah, you're white. I'm yellow. And I'm like, I don't get this. I said, I'm sorry, but I don't see it. I mean, when I look at another human being, yeah, I know. I know from their eyes, their nose, and things like that. You know, the skin color, I know. But I see a human being. The first thing that pops into my mind is not their skin color. Although it is there, you know what I'm saying? But I see a human uh-huh. being, and I don't understand. Hello? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. I don't understand why why people are so hung up on skin color because we're human beings, and that's the first thing I see when I when I meet someone. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. We shouldn't put this wall between us. I just don't get. And I'd like I'd like to comment on that, but I'll wait. I'll wait for everybody else. It, well, that's the end of my rant, talking about treating people like human beings, and I think we should treat them like human, everyone like human beings. Exactly. So we don't have that wall. That's right. Everybody should be treated like human beings, and we definitely should be working together, you know, again, to level the playing field. And, yeah. you know, you know, if you've listened to the show for a while, you'll hear, you'll hear me talking about privilege and entitlement, and, you know, I've angered some people, you know, talking about certain issues. But one of the reasons why we bring these particular terms up is because, there are a lot of people of, you know, uh, non-minority status, if you will, that do not necessarily understand what the terminology is, nor do they understand what has been extended to them. And, you know, unfortunately, that's where some of the conflict comes in. But, you know, regarding the situation with your sons, it's unfortunate that, they feel as though they even have to choose or they're being forced, you know, from one community to the other community and not really being accepted by either one because you're yeah. right, they're human beings and they deserve to be able to enjoy their friends of whatever color of persuasion they may happen to be. But, again, we're living in America, and even though race is a social construct, it is the rules that have been implemented in this country Race um, does not necessarily have as much prevalence in other countries for the most part, but in this country, race matters. But we didn't make up the rules. Yes, and, and, and women who have white children don't have to go to the polls and worry about whether or not their child's going to get to vote for the first time. Their child can go in there show their their ID, their voter registration, you know, and and vote. I had to go with my older son the first time he voted to make sure there were no problems because I heard there were problems trying to keep people from voting, especially minorities. 
And I went, you know, we went as a family, and I went just to make sure that they didn't give him problems because he's, you know, he's obviously black. Even though he's light-complected, he's obviously black. His hair, his nose, his eyes, you know, they show it. And I was scared to death because of the stories I heard, and I was ready to stand up for my son and insist that they let him vote, even if it was one of those provisioning or whatever they're called, um, ballot right. card, you know. And mm-hmm. I was prepared to, you know, take up that that fight if it happened. It didn't happen, thank goodness. But, you know, I, I just don't like seeing those things. And when I make a brief comment that Obama's my brother, you know, the white people go, he's not my brother. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going, he's a human being, he's half white, he's half black. You know, he could have been your brother, even in reality, not just camaraderie. He's a human being, and, you know, he's the president of the United States, and there's a certain amount of respect that is due him, you know, because he is the president. However, you know, I will commend you for, you know, standing up, and go on to the poll with your son to make sure that his civil rights, his civil liberties were not violated. So that's a wonderful thing. You know, that being said, it seems as though you you have an understanding and you're um, empathetic towards, you know, communities of color because it seems like you have an understanding of what we deal with, you know, on a daily basis. And not only with, you know, voting and just everything, driving while black, walking down the street while black, you know, yeah. you know, you just, it's, 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 it's heavy. It's heavy. Oh, it really is. Also, also, too, you know, you, you have to be commended because, you know, and it, it's not easy, but you're you're emblematic of how we get things to um, change. And we mentioned before, uh, you, you took a stand. And it's a very principled stand. And you took a stand in two different ways. You took one politically, and then you took one in your own personal life. And 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 the truth of the matter is, the world is looking more like this. This country and this world is looking more like the structure of your family than even mine. You know, they're more biracial. The 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 sitting president of this country is the product of a black man and a white woman. Yes. So it's a, it, it's a very profound thing. And well, it's I, a big deal for you. We we bring this change, and and it's important that people don't just see what folks are trying to do with well, what happened today with DOMA and and being voted unconstitutional, and yesterday with the Voting Rights Act. It's not just a black thing. It's not just a a gay thing. It is a human rights thing. Thank you. Once we realize that everything that's going on with the Supreme Court right now, it's it's about the intrinsic rights we all have as human beings. We can't be free until everyone's free. So it's important that you stood up because they could just write off. They could write me off as a black man if I went up to, hey, man, I want to vote. I deserve to vote. They could write me off. But when you, as a as a white woman, stops and says, "Hey, man, that's not right. That man deserves the right to vote." And I would have that done it for you too, even though exactly. I would have I would have gotten a lot of harassment, but I still would have done it. And, and that's 
where the change starts as well. It's not just my community getting active. It's all of us realizing that this is a struggle for humanity. Collectively. And, 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 and collectively. You know, it's the first line. It's the first line in our Constitution. It's the first line in our Bill of Rights and the Declaration. We hold these truths to be self-evident, you know. And, and yeah. the statement is that all men are created equal. Now it's all people are created equal. That's the most, That's the first thing that we clarified once we made this country. In now, yes, we hit a lot of speed bump in practice. When we first, when we first started this country, I think it was John Adams, Abigail Adams, wrote a letter saying, "Remember the women." They weren't remembered, but you know, we had a long, hard fight. All of us as women mm-hmm. had a long, hard exactly. fight. And men, too. I'm not discounting the men, but women have their own fights to fight, you know, but it all deals with human human rights, human everything, because we're all human. Exactly. Exactly. Listen, I can't say that, you know, I can't come out and say, yeah, man, we have to fix the Voting Rights Act, and when the um the um when gay people come up, like, no, 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 you guys go stand over there. No, if, if I'm going to stand for my rights, I have to be there at the forefront for this man and this if this man wants to get married to his boyfriend he's gotta be I have to say, yes, that can happen. Yes. This is loving was the same way. Yeah. This is loving was the same way before she died. Can I can I chime in? Can I chime in? Um in in reference to uh women's rise, the suffrage movement which is which was in the late 1800s, mm-hmm. in the early 1900s. That was Susan B. Anthony, and if you guys remember correctly, they came up with the Susan B. Anthony, um, I think it was like the little quarter or some coin they came up dollar. with. And then they had, and Susan B. Anthony was tied to Eleanor Roosevelt, who was the wife of um, which Roosevelt that we had president at that time in the early 1900s. My point is, yes, Frank FDR, that was his wife. The point in me bringing that up is is that the, the suffrage movement of the women, and just to throw another name out there, Helena Blavatsky, who was in 1890. The point in that whole movement was to galvanize the public and to get them to see that women are inclusive in what's going on in our present-day society at that time. Now, moving forward and fast-forwarding, I love what the caller called in and talked about because she was talking about, you know, you have a child that is mixed breed. Two children. We don't um the the caller that was calling in because she was talking about, you know, a child being half black and half Multiracial. white. Or, Multiracial. Right, right. That's that's what I was talking about. Now when when she brought that up, what it introduced is a whole other element that 
is a historical fact. If you go back, and I don't know many people who have read the book, um, Destruction of the Black Civilization from 4500 B.C. to 2000 A.D. by Chancellor William III. Yeah. Exactly. So he gets into that whole context of when when ethnicities start mixing. I don't like to say races because race is the human race. I, I really get bothered when people say the black race, the white race. No, biologically, you if you are a part of a race, that means you can procreate. That means Thank you're you. not different. And with that being said, what the brother was saying before, just to extrapolate and bring it forward, is that as human beings, we have to understand that there's a game that's being played on us. It's it's not about we we get a we get caught up in this thing of race. No, we're all humans. It's not race. It's ethnicity. It's different geographical locations. But we're not different. We're the same. As long as we can procreate, just like you, my sister, okay, you can be with a white man. You can procreate, and y'all can have a baby. Um, that baby's not of a different race. No, that baby's of a different ethnicity, not a different race. And this is this is how we get tripped up. This is, but see, no, the thing is, is that you understand that. I understand that, but... Again, we have to go back to, you know, the very fibers that make up this particular country. Initially, in the United States, race was not an issue. It was made an issue. And now we're at the point where people want us to transcend beyond race, just like this has been implemented for hundreds of years. I'm not saying it's going to take hundreds of years for us to deconstruct that social construct, but what I'm saying is it's not going to happen overnight. And it's about education. Right. It's about repeating it and putting the information out there, and but also leveling the playing field. Because, again, there's a difference between racism and institutionalized racism. Now, dealing with someone, a racist, you know, a racist colleague, a racist peer, what have you, that's different than institutionalized racism. The institutionalized racism has to be toppled, and that is what we, right now, that is what we're dealing with. And that is, you know, that's, you know, the, you know, pink elephant in the room, if you will. That's what I agree. I agree. The battle I saw in schools here in Missouri was that I wanted my sons to be marked down as both black and white. They went by the one-drop rule. I'm sure everyone knows what that is. Because they were half black, they had to put them down as being black, and it made me so angry that in the end, after my fit, the lighter one was put down as black, the darker one was put down as white, and it was just like, it was messed up. But I said, why can't you put them down as both black and white? And they said, well, it has to do with funding. And I said, the one-drop rule, right? And they said, yeah. They admitted to me when I pinned them down about the one-drop rule. And I just, 
I was livid. You know, they why, did, why, why did that make you mad? Why did that make you mad? Because I'm their mother, and they weren't recognizing that my sons were both to begin with at the start, that my sons are both. And there's we contribute a little of something of ourselves to our children. Mm-hmm. It, am I making sense? There's somebody yeah, on both sides yes, of are. my children's family that's very important. And when you deny one, you 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 take from them a part of them that is their history. Like I mentioned, I'm one eighth Native American, but because of society, I lost a lot of that history. Um, I grew up with, well, you can talk about being Native American in the home, but outside you're white. You can't tell anyone that you're part Native American. They wouldn't tell me a whole lot about my Native American history. And I had to be white outside my home. And I lost a lot of that history. And unless you've experienced it, you, you can't really grasp what that feels like, wanting to know a part of your ancestry and having a hard time finding it. You have to go back in your family tree. And unfortunately, when I was researching my family tree, I tried to, on occasion when I saw their dad or when I talked to their grandmother, well, what is your family tree? They're like, we don't know. We lost part of it because of slavery. And, you know, I'm like, "Uh, you can't trace it back? They're like, no, we can't trace it back to, you know, so far because, our families were separated and stuff. And I'm like, so they lost their part of history of their family tree lost. And it's, to me, I think it's very important to know where your ancestors came from so that you know. And when we as a society deny children their history, we take away a part of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's like now, when you push children to one side or the other for various reasons, whether it's the stupid one-drop rule or saying you're not black enough, you're denying a, a part of their their history. Right, because they have to cho- they have to choose a parent. They shouldn't have to choose a parent because their parents. But no, I'm saying I'm saying they have to choose a parent based on what you're saying. Because they're being denied part of their history. Yeah. This this goes back to um, Kim's point again of in racism, r- racism and institutionalized racism. You're talking about a very direct effect of institutionalized racism. There yes. is a system in place in, with the situation uh, you, you, you discussed with your children. There is a there was a system in place. To designate them that would follow them through the rest of their lives, right? Based on what they were designated as, that's institutionalized racism. Now, you know, it, it again, and it comes back to these things that these very important issues that took place just two days ago, just today and a day ago. Mm-hmm. It's it's the institutions. Now, uh, now, you know, the big thing of last week was the whole big thing with Paula Dean and. And, and what she said on TV and what she said oh, in her Lord. deposition and all this, that, and the third, that's racism. And you know something? 
that doesn't bother me. That's a that that's a that's a woman from the south being a racist. That's a southern woman being a racist. That's not all that new or different to me. And it really does not to say it doesn't bother me. Uh, it's annoying, yes, but it's more annoying to the folks who aren't walking around saying the N-word or calling me names, but they're making motions to close down schools because they believe that the children in my neighborhood aren't as smart as white children in a more affluent neighborhood. Right. That's dangerous. Or, or denying people in my neighborhood access to better health care. That is dangerous. Or, or, or incarcerating men that look like me or giving citizens carte blanche to shoot young boys that look like me. That's institutionalized racism. That's institution that that we have to take that, and it's it's all of our duties to, you know, it's more than just saying let's see each other as human beings, but also let's hold our government accountable to see us as human beings. There are more black men incarcerated for drug uh, for drug crimes than there are white men incarcerated, and drug abuse exactly happens and about that's something that was put into place. That's something that was put into place. Let me tell you, in in my wallet right now, there's a card that when I went to the hospital down here in South Florida, when my family moved down here, there's a card that I have with my name on it. It was my hospital insurance card. It has my name, my date of birth, how much I weigh, what I look, the color of my eyes, and where it asks me what my race is, the number is two. How would you like growing up for the rest of your I keep that card in my wallet. Every time, when I pull it out and look at it, it didn't say what race I was. It said my race was two. So I'm a, I spent the right. rest of my life thinking, well, what's the number one race? <laughs> How would you like growing up knowing that you're number you're in, So from the date of my birth, that was that was given to me in that they gave my mother my insurance card in 1976. I have to check to be certain, but it's 1976. Seventy, I was a year old. How would you like growing up knowing? from the date of your birth and probably until they put me in the ground that I'm in second place for the rest of my life. He's sick that, with that's it. That's institutional that's institutionalized racism. They just give me a place. Okay, mediator, mediator, step in. We need some help. We need some help. Where's she at? Where's she at? Oh yeah. <laughs> we need we need some help, man. Exactly. But, I mean, again, you know, it's, it's very, very much so true, you know, about the institutionalized racism and, you know, understanding where it came from, how it impacts us, and how it is written into law. See, it's written into law, which is why, again, it takes us right back to the beginning where we said all politics are local in which you have to get in and start voting these, um, you know, your city, town, village, whatever you live in, you know, understand who those people are that you've elected, your state representatives, your state legislature, understand, you know, where that's located and the people who are representing you in that. And in addition to that, um, just being aware of your surroundings and being aware because, again, we have people trying to turn this country into a theocracy. And we must understand mm-hmm. that law should be built on facts, not on a person's perceived morality, if you will. 
and um, we have to go back. We have to go out here and vote these people out. We're going to have to vote them out, but right now we need to get out there, start registering people to vote, vote ourselves. If you got to pick a couple of people up to go register to vote, do it. On the day that it's time to vote, if you have to pick a few people up and you all go and wait in line together, do it. You know, if you have some seniors, I say take, you know, you know those little portable chairs. If there are some seniors in line and if it's going to be a two, three-hour wait, give that seat to that senior. Take some water, take some juice, whatever, to make it as comfortable for you and other people. A little kindness goes a long way. And Thank what you. I will say is, you know, what I've seen in just different communities, you have some people out here who are angry and bitter, and no one has ever really been kind to them, ever. Just a little kindness. Smile at somebody. Well, you got to be careful with that smile because we got some real interesting folks walking around. But you know, with a little <laughs> kindness, a little, a little kindness goes a long way. But you know, put the information out there. As I find out information um, going forward, I'll put it out there. I post the NAACP information. I'm going to be calling on members of my group, Black Nonbelievers of Chicago. And I'm going to call for a meeting in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to print up some information and start encouraging my members to start working with some of these local organizations. Again, it's going to be PUSH, NAACP, Urban League, whoever is, you know, registering people to vote that's willing to get out here and start marching for these issues. Because we've been marching for school reform. We've been marching for a number of different issues. I mean, I remember when Occupy Wall Street was first out there, and, and I went out there a couple of nights, but then when they started getting arrested, well, I can't help you then because I'm not going to the clink. Sorry. But, um, <laughs> so, I have my limitations. My, my okay. girl said, my, my girl said, I ain't going to jail. Martin Luther Damn King that. Martin Luther King did. But, you know, in also, some respects, also, I must say, in some respects, you, this is something you don't see nowadays. I I guess I was like, I don't know when I was looking at my report cards. I think I was still in elementary school, but I was looking at my report cards one day. I said, Mama, why does my, my uh, kindergarten uh, report card say at the end, of, it was at the end of the year, um, they cannot uh, state who my teacher was, something like that, due to busing. And I said, what's busing? And she explained it to me, and I just could not grasp. I could not grasp why there was such a big deal about it. And today, I mean, yeah, they are closing some schools um, for crazy reasons, but my children were not segregated in their classrooms. They went to school with a variety of children. And you didn't see that back in 71. It was, you know, they were talking about checkerboard schools and all kinds of stupid stuff. And we don't we don't have those words in our vocabulary anymore like we used to. And so, and you don't see that on a child's report card either, if you know what I'm saying. Right. So in some ways, we've made slight progress. Right. If, if I'm making any sense. Right. Yeah. No, we're, we're making slight progress. 
slowly but surely in every, you know, step forward is, you know, is a wonderful yeah. and a positive thing. So we have to, you know, um, we definitely have to take that into consideration. But, you know, again, one of, you know, I would be remiss if I don't mention, you know, this Salinas versus Texas. I need for people to understand this, especially young folks. You know, with that particular, and I know I'm switching on you guys, but, you know, I want to make sure we, we address this as well. With the Salinas versus Texas, it gives you the right against self-incrimination, your Fifth Amendment right. So, basically, you don't have to tell on yourself, okay? And, you know, basically um, what it did, the court held that prosecutors may use a suspect's silence against him if it comes before um, he is informed of his right to remain silent. I tell people all the time, do not talk to the police without a lawyer, ever. Ever. Mm -hmm. Ever. I mean, whether you're being questioned in a crime or an accomplice or complicity or what have you, even if it's just formal questioning, um, it, you don't have to talk. You don't have to talk. Mm -hmm. Keep your mouth shut. But see, the downside to that is, again, we have this no snitch thing, and it's not. And what this has done in this particular case is not that people don't want to snitch, but if you start talking and if they don't like what you're saying, can they charge you? So I'm going to have to look more into this Salinas versus Texas, but it's disturbing on its face. But, oh, but, yeah. Well, wait, I mean, wait, wait. Now that, now that you mentioned that, did you see the testimony of, and this goes back to what you were just saying, did you see the testimony of Trayvon girlfriend to be on the stand because it, it talks about the exact same thing you're talking about right she, yeah, was, she was good she was good when the prosecution was asking a question when the defense got up there oh man she just dropped the ball and was stumbling over everything well we well let's 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 and not, I, didn't, I didn't mean to bring that up to add something different to it. What, the reason why I brought that up is to just extrapolate on what my sister was talking about in terms of how you're able to articulate yourself. That's the only reason why I brought that up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right, because that whole situation with the young lady, and I don't really want to get into the Trayvon or Paula Dean because that's insignificant to me at this point. You know, what we're talking about are this is reality. This is our reality. And um, with the young lady today, you know, what took away from her testimony, you know, and especially in how it kind of parallels with this particular case about self-incrimination, what took away from her testimony was basically the hatefulness and the mean-spirited comments that I saw coming from people, you know. And yeah. And, you know, that left a bad taste in my mouth. But, again, you know, going back to this particular case here, um, we just have to be really careful. And I think they kind of jumped the gun with that particular case. But, again, self-incrimination, Fifth Amendment rights, understand what your rights are, um, and again, you know, before it, this is even before you've been Mirandized. And then also go back and familiarize yourself with the Miranda rights because that came up in front of the Supreme Court 
several years ago, and some of that was even changed as well. So know your rights, understand your rights. We're going to have to find a lawyer and bring them on the show so that they can. Yes, you know, yes um, we need. Because like I, just, I just had somebody, I just had somebody sent me something um, two days ago where there was a Supreme Court ruling. It, it hasn't been pushed into law. But basically what they're saying is based on the Fifth Amendment right and you have your your right to remain silent, they were saying that, okay, well, if you remain silent, that can be used against you as well. Exactly. Did you guys, did you guys see this litigation? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking through? about. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I okay. have to. Um, okay, okay. It's kind of a it's kind of a very scary thing. It's going again. It's what what's really sad about you know what you're talking about with the Fifth Amendment. It's a very scary regression that that is taking place. You know this comes up a lot, and we've heard a lot. And ever since the inception of the Tea Party, we've heard this come up a lot with the take our country back, and that has had such an ominous you know ominous meaning to me because. We're regressing back to so many things where, you know, where rights are being slowly eroded. And mm-hmm. something that I'm seeing that troubles me in a very in a very serious way, especially with law enforcement, um, it, it, it's yes. how we, they're becoming more and more militarized, how they're becoming exactly. and less, they're less, they're left right on the on the on the part of the citizen nowadays um, to hold our law enforcement entities accountable. I mean, a, a cop could shoot up a church. I mean, they were looking. They, you could shoot up a, a a a church full of nuns, babies, and kittens, and as long as he says, "Well, the suspect ran in there," somebody's gonna say, "Hey, that's a justified shoot." I mean, it's 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 exactly. getting to that point. Where, where, and, and here's the thing. There's a reason why no snitching is so prevalent, and it's not because it's not because people are afraid of gangsters. They're not. Not to say that no one's afraid of the dope boys or the gangsters out there. Yes, they are some very bad, mean, mean motor scooters out there. That's not it. But they also don't snitch because they do not feel. And this goes back to the institutional racism thing. They do not. Feel equally protected by our law enforcement entities. I don't. That's right. I mean, you know, somebody, uh, somebody, uh, 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 and I, you know, a white person may walk around and feel, hey, man, that's officer friendly. I can walk up and talk to him. Uh, or you get stopped by. I, I have coworkers that come in on my job and tell stories about when they got pulled over by a cop and they cursed them out, and I was like, wow, what's it like not getting tasered or shot? Because right, I right, don't right. know what it's like. I know when I get stopped, and I, and I know any other black man. I don't care. He could be the most. It could be Clarence Thomas himself. When he sees those lights flash up in his rear view, he starts thinking to himself, "Am I going home tonight?" And he's right. thinking it in two ways: Am I going to be arrested? Is this guy going to beat me up? Am I going to get shot? And that's not what. A, that's not what a tax-paying, law-abiding citizen of the United States should be feeling. But that's what we exactly. feel. And that's one of those things. Again, it comes back to, and it goes right back to the, to the same dis- that what started this entire discussion, holding our elected officials, including our, our judges, accountable 
you know, we shouldn't be afraid of our government. You know what I'm saying? We should be exactly. working along with it to make it better. But what oh, yeah. it's the matter is... No, no, I, 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 that's basically what it is. It's a very scary thing of taking America back. We're taking America back in some very scary ways. And if we're not, we took it back to the time, we took it to the back to the time where of the robber barons. We took it back to the time where there were no unions, where women's bodies were being regulated by people other than themselves. We're taking it back to times when uh, uh, black people could be suppressed, their votes could be suppressed. Uh, we're taking it back to when immigrants were ghettoized and, 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 and corralled. You know, this is a very yeah. scary thing. What they asked for is what we're seeing happen, and it's a very scary thing. That's now, let me let, let me let me ask you let me ask both of you a question because you brought up something, my brother, that uh, I've been on a few talk shows talking about, and the legislation that's trying to be passed through the Senate floor, where if you're tw- if if a woman is 20, I think it's 22 months, or now they're scaling it down because they're scaling it down to 22 weeks. state level. Yeah. If, you're, <laughs> if you're 22 weeks, you can't, have, you can't have an abortion. And basically, here's how I view it. They're, they're, this is a bunch of white men who are telling women what they're doing with their bodies. And my argument, and it's not an argument, the way I come to women is is that are you really going to let this happen? Now, I'm, I'm, pro, I'm pro-choice. I'm not pro-life. I'm, I'm pro-choice because I'm not qualified to tell a woman to what to do with her body. I know that. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't have that qualification. When we start instituting this type of legislation that tells a woman what can she what she can do with her body, now do women step up and actually come together and create a voice and say, "Wait, hold up, wait, wait." Now, and they're saying, and and on top of that, they're saying that we don't care if you were raped or molested. And they're making this a federal crime. So I just want to yeah. hear you guys' opinion on that. Um, well, when it comes to that, uh, I'll say this first. Uh, whenever it comes up to abortion or contraception or anything like that, um, I defer to the people with vaginas. I don't, I don't <laughs> run my mouth too much about that. I can't have babies. Um, I saw my wife pregnant and I was there until my uh, to the very moment my son was born and it's the most horrific thing I've ever it's the most beautiful slash horrific thing <laughs> I've ever seen um, and f- quite frankly if you can endure that for nine months I don't have any right whatsoever to tell you anything that's me that's just me to the end forever the second thing is this um, you asked and you, rhetorically, you ask, "Are you going to sit there and are you what, what are you going to do about them talking like that to a woman?" The thing is, you can answer that question as well. 
the best ally a woman has in these in in in, in situations like this is a man. Exactly. You can stand up for that too. You can stand up for that too. You can stand up and say, "Listen, right. you are not qualified. You have no right to tell a woman what." And because best believe the 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 law that was getting filibustered in Texas by um, Wendy, right. I forget uh, her full name, but the law that was for being filibustered in Texas, brother, a woman wrote that. Exactly. You have to, a woman exactly. was behind that. So you have to understand. Exactly. So if that if, if a woman can tell another woman that you can't do this with your body, you as a man can stand up and say, I'm not going to let you tell these women what to do with their bodies. That's you're her strongest ally. I'm my wife's strongest ally. I have to stand by her. I have to stand exactly. by my daughters. What's somebody okay. Said? Well, 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 that's why. I'm, that's why I'm asking because I'm trying to get educated on it. I can't, man. I'm trying to You're cover everything. Ally, I can't. I can't cover everything. So right. I'm trying to get a different perspective and just understand how it's working. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's it. Exactly, and that's why it's important for us to have these shows and to put it out there, but for men to understand that you know for feminist issues or, you know, reproductive issues, we need for you guys to stand with us, you know, and we need for you guys sometimes, you know, there are going to be times when you have to, you know, stand when we can't stand, and and it's okay, and and we, vice versa, we have to do the same thing, which is why when I was talking earlier about, you know, the white community, especially the progressive liberal white communities standing with communities of color, it's important that we all support one another. But it's another case, you know, that I'm going to tie into what we were just talking about with the Fifth Amendment rights. Another case that was decided earlier this month at the Supreme Court was Maryland versus King. And this is search and seizure. And basically this one here is talking about whether a state can collect DNA evidence from people arrested and charged with a serious crime. And basically it's saying that, you know, states may take the DNA sample from someone suspected but not convicted of a felony. And basically we need to, you know, keep an eye on that as well because, again, we already have the issue with the school-to-prison pipeline, and right here, you know, the conservatives, you know, sided with this. And it's just basically setting a scenario of more people being caught up and put in the system. And, you know, we have to understand that, you know, they're privatizing a lot of these penal systems, a lot of these jails, but not only do the owners make money from it, but so does our government. We need to understand how this works. The government makes mm-hmm. money from people being incarcerated. People need to well, understand well, that. Well, just, 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 to, just to add something to what you're saying, sister, the uh, prison industrial complex was privatized over 20 years ago. Exactly. It's been privatized. So it's it's a free slave market enterprise is what it is. Right. It's been exactly. that way. So exactly. what we have to do, and, and I'm in agreement with you, what we have to do is get up to speed because I was on another show today, and the topic of the show, the, it, it was do felons deserve 
a second chance. And we got into that whole thing about the penal system, how it works, how it generates itself. And the whole point in what I was talking about was I was trying to get the brothers and sisters to understand that this has been privatized over 20 years ago. It costs thirty to $40,000 per year per inmate to keep them in prison. Do you know what college institutions that they can go to for that price? Exactly. Thirty to forty thousand dollars a year. You can go to my alma mater. You can go to UC Berkeley. You can go to St. Sure. Mary's in Moraga. You can go to Carnegie Mellon. You can go to Stanford. Exactly. You can go to Brown, Harvard. Man, you can go anywhere. Name it. Right. That's a full yeah. ride. That's a full ride. Um, it's like this. If you look at China, Iran, North Korea, Iraq, and Afghanistan, and our country has the largest amount of people in in jail, then you really need to take a step back and get a whiff of what you're selling. That's just the long and short of it. There's no reason on planet Earth why there should be 2.5 million people in in, in jail. And let me tell you why. We mentioned it. There is... There's a profit. Whenever you put a profit motive on what should be a social um, a social institution, you're going to have some form of corruption. You're going to exactly. see it. You saw it. You're seeing it with the education system. Once you attach a profit motive to education, you're going to see people hustling and defrauding not only schools but parents. So it's the same thing. It does. It's not good for if, if our prison system is, is 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 privatized. It's not good for business for us not to go to jail. That's why you see every other thing is just getting criminalized now because exactly. these guys got to get their money. That's why you know people laugh off the. the I mean, there's money in the drug war. There is money exactly. in in. In, in stop and frisk. There's money in a lot of And here, it's, there's money in the gun lobby. There, it's like, listen, we're all going to get, we're going to get off like fat rats. So that's why you don't think, I bet you, if we had sensible gun regulation in this country, you wouldn't see a lot of people going to jail for gun-related crimes. And you know what they're talking right? about now? You were talking you about have, now, they, want, they want everybody to have guns now. Yeah. See, there Did you, go. you hear and that? Again, Did we're you becoming hear that? more militarized. Yeah, I heard you. And 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 we're coming. We're becoming more militarized as a society. That's again, right. Exactly. We're becoming a totalitarian government. Exactly. So again, if you have more people, there's money to be made by these different lobbies, these different interest groups that make a profit off of incarceration. So we're militarizing our government. So it makes money. It's making money. It's you guys you guys are great. You guys are great. I want to get off here and listen to your comments on my computer. I've been on here way too long and I love what you're doing. I would I would love to come back again. I would love to come back again and I'm I'm gonna be honest with you and I mean this sincerely. Um I love what you guys are doing. You're awakening the public. You're on the forefront. You're doing your due diligence, and you're just handling your business 
I love you guys for that. I'll take the comments off the air because I know you guys are about to wrap up. So, yes, um, I second that. What he said about yeah. how good you guys are and everything. I, and I, I just off. want to get out the way. And I just want you to know, sister, I love you. I love what you're doing. I love the way you talk. I love your mentality. Brother, I love you. I love what you're doing. I love your mentality. I love the way you talk. And hopefully it's going to make a difference. Well, thank you both so much. We truly appreciate it. And we're just working hard to bring the information to people. And, again, we're just challenging people to think and live for themselves and understand what's happening. We'll give you the information. It's up to you to do something with it. Indeed. Um, and it's not hard. It's it's not hard at all. I mean, again, we live in the age of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It, there's pretty much any every avenue of communication that back in the days our folks did not have. We have an access to those things now, and, and we have to take advantage of it. Hey, you know, just right now, if you got a Facebook page and you could link your – just put a link up to something. Um, the National Urban League is IamEmpowered.org. That's it. Just exactly. log on. I did it right before I came on um, thing. I'm going to post it up on my Facebook page. Hey, if you think that you want to take part, you can find out more about these cases as they were presented to the Supreme, Supreme Court. You can find out the catalyst for what started these um, these hearings. You can read up on them, and then you can find out, well, what can I do? And you can also find out about the uh, your state um, voting laws. You can find out about the previous attempts at voter suppressions in your home state or in the states that are in contention with this um, hearing, uh, and and find out what you can do. Use your use your avenues to to make a difference. Again, you don't have to get up on a soapbox and 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 and, and preach at anybody. Do your small part. Brighten the corner where you are. And you, you, you'll be surprised. Maybe you'll be that spark that inspires. Again, Martin Luther King didn't just wake up one morning and say, I have a dream. It was some small thing that somebody we may have never heard of imparted upon him to set him on his path. So maybe, maybe my name never gets called out. Maybe your name never gets called out. But you may inspire that one person who maybe offers something they saw you do or something they heard you say, and you may create that next Medgar Evers, that next uh, Angela Davis, that next Martin Luther King. You don't know. So do your little part. Do your little part. Think globally, act locally. You know what I'm saying? Little things you do make a big difference. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, yeah, get out of here. You be the leader that you're looking for. You be the hero that you're looking for. And trust me, there are look up to you, whether you realize it or not. There are a lot of people out here looking up, looking for someone to inspire them. And, again, you know, just by reaching out and telling someone, whether it's someone that's older, your same age, or younger, telling them that you're going to get registered to vote and here is why. And that's another reason why we have to get a lawyer on the show because I want to talk about how you can get those of you that may have felonies on your record, how to get it expunged, 
give you the template on how to write the motion, but we need to get a lawyer on a show. So, you know, we're going to have a show like that. I've been thinking about this for a while. So we're going to help you to help yourselves. Just bear with us. It's coming. But other than that, again, we're black free thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. Again, we applaud you. We thank you for your support. We appreciate you guys. And on that note, Carl, we're out. Oh, man, it's been a great day. It's been wonderful. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Take care, everybody. Tomorrow on Blast from Vita Star, the decriminalization of marijuana. And Friday night we will have Carl and Alfred. They'll be talking about the Trayvon Martin case and victimization and scapegoating. We have shows all this weekend, so check in with us, guys. Take care. Have a good one, Al. You got this.